Hello, and welcome to Sundays at Coastal. This week, we have a special Christmas Eve service with a sermon from Pastor Andy titled, Just Love, from Luke chapter 2. Jesus was born to bring a love that this world had never known. It was a love that would surpass all of our hopes and dreams. Jesus didn't come to conquer or overthrow the oppressor. He came to love the brokenhearted in their sorrow. He is familiar with difficulty and hardship and can relate to each and every one of us. He invites us to step into the joy of his love and trust in his enduring mercies. The love of Jesus is the greatest gift you can ever receive. Hi everyone. Merry Christmas. Oh, we're so excited to have you this morning. yeah, I saw this at Kohl's and I was like, you know what, we can, I, I can't not do this. If, if you need a candle, raise your hand. I need a candle, Rose. Anybody else need a candle? Donette needs a candle over here. Okay, great. Great, good, yay. Okay, awesome. Um, what are we doing? Oh, we probably should introduce who we are. Hi. Uh, so we believe three things as a church and... Uh, These three things we say every week, and it's Christmas Eve, so let's do it again. Here we go. We believe that there is always hope beyond our brokenness. In the middle of all of our darkness, that's where God shines. He shows up in the middle of all the places that we call hopeless. He answers the prayers that we say are no way that will ever happen. He does what can only be done. Out of nothing, he creates something. Out of death, he creates life. That's what our God does. And second, we believe that we're called to trust in our risen Savior. Not perform, not pretend, trust. To, 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 to put the weight of our soul and our everyday lives in his hands. Listen to him, obey, trust him. Because he loves us and he knows more than we do. Can you believe that, that God is smarter than you? took me a long time to figure that one out in my own life. And then finally, we're called to bring restoration. We're called to make a difference right where we are, to love the people that are around us. Um, Our children this morning have prepared food for you. So you know how normally we have the, the, the team of people that does the food? That team of people is our children. So when our children think about how it is that they wanted to bring restoration and make a difference in who they wanted to serve, they requested that they would make and then give out all of the food this morning. And I guarantee you, it is not goldfish crackers and, uh, and little bits of orange juice, okay? We, we got these kids went all out. So when you see Denise, our Minister of Children and Families, and the kids, make sure you say thank you today. Uh, but that's what we do. We, we do this, uh, whether it's change for a dollar or um, loving people well or providing furniture for people, all of the things that we do, we want to make, we want to bring restoration right where we are. Amen? Amen? So each one of these truths has a choice attached to it. And so that's why we proclaim this choice and declare this choice every week together. And if you want to, choose it with me out loud. Ready? Today, I choose to be changed by Jesus, I choose to seek Jesus first, and I choose to join Jesus in his resurrection work. So, on this Christmas Eve day, today I want to talk to you about what it looks like to be loved. 
uh, there's been a theme that's been happening in my life and in so many people's lives in the church this year, and that is, what is it like to receive love? How do we receive love? Because uh, it's one thing to say that God loves you, right? We know that God loves us in our brain. It's a different thing to be able to receive that love. And some of us know how to receive love just fine. We had great parents who loved us and loved us and loved us and loved us, and our hearts grew and blossomed, and all of a sudden we know how to do that. And some of us don't have that experience at all, and we don't know quite what it's like. Sometimes we feel like love is like a transaction that we have to make with somebody. So if I do this, then you'll love me. And if I keep on doing this, then you'll keep on loving me. And as long as I don't do that, because if I do that, then you'll take away your love. And so we don't really understand what love is like. Love is turned into a transaction rather than an unconditional river of, of what it is. So I have a question for you. Today, can I speak to the part of your heart that knows how to be loved? Yes. Yes. That be Okay. And can I speak to the part of your heart that doesn't quite know how to be loved? Yes, please. That be okay? So can I pray for us real quick? So Jesus, uh, thank you for this time. Thank you for my friends. We just bind up everything opposed to Jesus that's here that would be distracting us or bothering us. Now in the name of Jesus, we cast you out of this place and off of us. Not today, devil. It's Christmas Eve. Amen? Amen. And Jesus, thank you for the worship this morning. Fill this place with your spirit. We love you, Lord Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. amen. So when I look back at this year in the life of our church, I just see a river of faces flood my mind of, of all the people that you have loved so well. Um, some of you know a couple, Gary and Christine in our church. Some of you don't. Christina and Gary, Christina has stage four cancer. They were fighting that fight alone for uh, over three years. And they came to this church by, by a whim. They were invited. And the next day, or sorry, they came to church on a Sunday. That afternoon, they got baptized. They came to church on a Sunday morning. That afternoon, they got baptized. And their lives have changed dramatically because of you all. They, they have hope now because they come to church and they get prayer and they get love and they get support. And they've never known that in their entire lives. Uh, I was having dinner with friends last week, Lori and Alan. It was so much fun. And Lori was talking about in all of her years of attending church, she's never felt connected to a women's ministry before. Like she actually shows up and she has friends. Like, you ladies have way too much fun, and, and we, there's more in store this coming year uh, for fun. I think about Silas and Leah, another young couple in our church where Leah gave her life to Jesus this fall, and they have this young family, and, and if, if you know a young family or you have a young family in your life or you are a young family, you know that living in California in 2023 and trying to make it financially is almost impossible. Right? It's, it's, it's almost impossible. When you're spending 60% of your monthly income, that's after making a decent wage just on rent. 
Uh, it's pretty unbelievable. And so Silas and Leah, they came to church uh, uh, two weeks ago, and, uh, and they didn't tell anybody that they were struggling, whether or not they had enough money to buy a tree or whether enough they had enough money to pay a bill. And uh, so a guy from Men's Bible Study, uh, Rick, he says, you know what, I got this tree. It's too big for my place anymore. It's gorgeous. I'm just going to bring it to church and see who needs it. And so Rick shows up with the tree, and there's Silas. And I look at Silas, and I go, you guys probably need a tree, right? And he's like, how did you know? And so they came to church, this family, and they left with a Christmas tree. And a Christmas tree is not going to change eternity for Silas and Leah, but it's those, it's those tiny moments where it's like the Holy Spirit in this amazing orchestra piece is coordinating needs, deep, profound needs, and also Christmas tree needs <laughs> with the gifts and the resources and the love that is here in this church. You have kept hurting families from drowning because of your generosity this year. You've brought healing to so many people's lives because of your prayers. You, you have destroyed monsters of shame and, and isolation as you connect with one another and share with one another. And then all of a sudden, uh, where we felt alone and separate, now we feel connected and together. And the list goes on and on and on and on of the miracles that God has done in you and through you and because of you. And then I think about my own life this year, and it feels like every week I manage to cry in a sermon, and I'm really not trying to. It's just been that kind of a year. And each week I tell you that Jesus kind of drags me through the passage, and that no, no different this week, y'all. Uh, and what's happened is that as God has helped me to understand that the greatest gift that I can give you is my vulnerability, he surrounded me with amazing friends in this church, and all of a sudden, like Joe said, like Kurt said, I'm being loved back to life. And for my part, being loved... Um, it is easy if I can make you love me. I mean, look at my jacket. <laughs> right? Uh, it's hard, though. It's hard to set aside the, the performance and to let yourself be loved. But that's what today's passage is about. It's the passage that, um, that, that often we skip over when we read in the book of Luke the, the Christmas story. And it's the passage that Evan read this morning to start the service. So I want to give you a little bit of background. Can I give you a little bit of background so you know what the heck we're talking about? So today's scripture passage, and we're only doing three verses this morning, so we should get out by two, um, <laughs> the, and it is, is the song that Zachariah sings. Who's Zachariah? Remember, Mary has an aunt and an uncle, 
And the aunt is Elizabeth, the uncle is Zachariah. Zachariah is a pastor. He's a rabbi. He works in the temple. Remember, he was in the Holy of Holies. God said, you're going to have a baby. Zachariah's like, but my wife and I are about to retire. We have a cruise booked down the Danube. We don't, we don't have time for this. And they're like, the angel's like, shh. And Zachariah, as a pastor, can't speak for the next 10 months. Okay? That's a... I know some of you hope that 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 might happen to me, but uh, uh, there it is. Uh, I know, I'm just kidding. Um, So when their son is born, um, so this is Mary's nephew, Jesus's cousin, that that kid's name is John the Baptist, okay? So John the Baptist is six months older than Jesus, okay? And so uh, when Zachariah sings this song, He's singing a song about what John the Baptist's role is going to be in pointing to the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And these are always the verses that when, I don't know, have you, did your parents ever make you read the Christmas story on Christmas morning? My mom did that to me, and it nearly made me leave my faith completely. I was like, just let's open the gifts already, right? I was seven, we had to read the Bible? No way. Um, So I want to read these verses to you this morning because these are verses that we always skip over, but they are spectacular, and and here we go. Let's read together. Are you ready? Here it is. So this is Zechariah singing a song about his son, John the Baptist. And so he says, and you, read this with me, and you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. So remember, John the Baptist has has the same role as Elijah. In fact, Elijah is an amazing Old Testament prophet. He's... He is the Babe Ruth of Old Testament prophets. He's the, he's the, fine, you're not a Yankees fan. He's the Joe Montana of Old Testament prophets. Okay, is that better? Right? So then Zacharias sings about his son, John the Baptist, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare a way for him. Now, Zechariah is now quoting scripture. Every single piece in every single line in this passage that Zechariah is about to, this is a song he's composing and singing. He's had 10 months to think about it, right? Um, the, all, all of everything in here harkens back or has a reference back to scripture. So let's keep on going. Verse 77, are you ready? So John the Baptist, he's going to point the way to the Lord in order to do this. Read this with me. To give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Our God, by which the rising of the sun will come to us from heaven to shine living in the darkness, in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. So the part that took my breath away when I read this this week is, is here in verse 77 and 78. Everybody knew what the Messiah's role was. I mean, goodness gracious, if, if we were occupied by the Canadians, right, we would say, well, we need, a, we need a strong leader to kick those Canadians out, right? Or even worse, if like Oregon ruled all of California, right? would <laughs> be like, this is insanity, you know? Like, no way, I'm not, you know? So, th- so we would want our oppressors to leave. And so people, that's what people thought the Messiah was going to do. I mean, what else is a savior supposed to do, right? And Zechariah has a long song. His, his song is like 20 verses uh, long. We just read four. Uh, 
in every single, like I said, in every single one of Zechariah's song, there is a, there's a reference to scripture. Zechariah is using a word or a phrase or a collection of words or phrases which are scriptural, right? So it's like Zechariah is making a scripture mixtape with this song, okay? <laughs> except, except there's a new part. There's a brand new part that it has no reference to any Old Testament scripture. And it's in verse 77 and 78, and here's the line that is brand new. It goes like this. To give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God. And we, we think, because we've been in church maybe for a while, yeah, of course, but we have no idea how significant it is that this is the brand new idea. What's the brand new idea? God is tender. And it's not just tender mercy. In the Hebrew, it, or in the Greek, it's merciful and tender together, like stacked on top of each other, like connected, right? God is both tender and merciful. What does that even mean? Well, remember what mercy is? Mercy is not giving people what they do deserve. So mercy is me paying the damage that you've done to me so that you don't have to. That's what mercy is. Make sense? I don't know about you, but when someone hurts me and I have to pay the damages to them and I'm being merciful about it, I also want them to feel extremely guilty. <laughs> I want them to feel terrible. I want them to feel awful. I want them to know how much it costs me. I want to see sorrow in their eyes. I want to see their lips quiver and their knees shake. I want them to say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Am I the only one? Okay, thank God, right? But what does it mean that God is tender towards you? It means that even though I'm in full tilt, tilt rebel, rebellion against God, even though I, I, I just choose my own way all the time, even though I, I love God, yes, I'm his child, I'm forgiven, I'm loved by him, I still make mistakes, I still fall flat on my face, and God is not angry with me about that. God is not like me, petty, insisting that I feel terrible. God is tender towards me and pays for my mistake. He's merciful towards me. That's remarkable. That's brand new. So will you suspend um, reality for a moment and do some imagination with me? Would that be okay? Would that be okay? Oh, it's Christmas. Why not, right? I mean, look at me. I woke up in a Christmas miracle like Santa. Of course you can suspend your imagination. You can Im imagine. I want you to imagine, what if Jesus was never born as a baby, but what if he was beamed down from heaven as a full-grown man? Okay? 
So we never did the manger thing. We never did Silent Night. It wasn't that way. The way that Jesus came to earth wasn't being born, you know, lowly, stable, all the things. No, 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 none of that. What if he was just beamed down from heaven onto earth, right? What if Jesus showed up and he was like, you know, Star Trek, or he's beamed down into the temple and all of a sudden Jesus shows up and he's like, you know, the Marvel landing, right? He's like, boom, right? And he gets up and he flexes, right? And then like, like he waves his hand, you know, and everybody's healed. Then he like flicks his wrists, you know, and like all the Romans are instantly vaporized, right? He's the savior. What if Jesus came down like that? Okay. Um, what would our response be? Yeah. Kit, yay, yay, yay. No, our response would be, is that we would freak out. That was, that was what our response would be, right? I would be afraid. I would be in awe. A demonstration of raw, unimaginable supernatural strength would blow me and you and everybody out of the water for a minute. And then it would be fear. Why? Because I don't want Jesus to flick me and vaporize me. And so what am I going to do? Well, I know that I'm a broken human being. I'm going to make a mistake and I'm going to fall flat on my face again. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pretend. I'm going to perform. I'm going to have a massive burden on me all the time that I have to like, I have to like keep God happy. Otherwise, he's going to blow me up, you know, because I want him to wave his hand and bless me and like fill me with all good things. So I'm going to work, 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 work. And then I'm going to hide, 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 hide. That's what I would do if God showed up in raw, unimaginable power and strength. And you know what's nuts? Here's what's crazy. For most of my life, I've operated like this is who Jesus is. That he's not tender and he's not merciful. No, that Jesus is quick to anger and will vaporize me with a flick if I make a mistake. So all I have to do with Jesus dangling blessing and destruction before me is that somehow I have to prove that I'm enough. Let me prove to you how wonderful I am so that you can bless me. Let me prove to you uh, that that I, I didn't mess up that bad so that you don't get mad and blow me out of the water. And in that equation... There is zero room for love. It's only performance. It's only fear. It's only anger. It's only obligation. Do you remember what love is? Love is this. I'll pay so that you are blessed. But if I'm operating like I have to prove to you that I'm enough or keep you from being angry then I can't have you ever pay for me because then you'll be mad. So I'll have to make it up to you. I'll have to prove that I'm worthy of it. I'll have to make your life better so that you'll be okay loving me. And the moment that you have an emotion that I get anxious about, anger, sadness, fear, hopelessness, then I'll feel like I've failed in my job to love. 
That's why it's hard for those of us who struggle to receive love. We want love to be an equation where we can guarantee the outcomes because of what we do. You need to understand that. If someone in your life, your spouse, your kids, your parents, your siblings, your friends, if they're struggling to feel loved, it's probably because they've been trained by the, their family or their people, the people around them that they have to make sure that they are loved all the time and they're so busy performing and they're so busy working for it that they don't know how to receive it. But Jesus, thank God, didn't show up on earth flexing and vaporizing people. How did Jesus show up? It's not a trick question. It's r- How did he show up? A baby. a baby. He was born. Why? Well, because there's really only one thing you can do with a baby. Just love. That's it. Babies aren't productive. Did you know that? I mean, they produce things, but you can't sell it or anything like that. I mean, you just... I don't know if you know this, but babies can't work, right? They can't prove that they are worthy of being loved. In fact, when you hold a baby, all your baby, all you want to do is just love that baby. That's it. That's the greatest desire that you have. And all that baby wants is to be loved by you. And all that baby wants is to love you. And that's the only thing that's happening in that moment. And that's enough. That's enough. Babies don't care about your mistakes. They don't care about your resume. They don't care about how much money you have in the bank or not. They don't care what clothes you're wearing or not. They don't care how, if you got all the right answers or if your grades were above a B plus average. If you rocked that 3.5 GPA, they don't care. They don't care, they don't care, they don't care. All they want to do is be loved by you and that's enough. That's why Jesus was born to parents the world would call unqualified. All they had to do was offer Jesus their love, and that was enough. All they had to do was allow Jesus to love them, and that's enough. I spent the last two decades of my marriage with April trying to fix all of her problems and prevent all of her disasters and to manage all of her emotions and decisions. (laughs) Under the banner of happy wife, happy life. Right? Can I tell you that that strategy does not work? April and I have spent the last two weeks, two years, trying to figure out how to get out of that one. Right? And when we started our counseling process two years ago, Jesus made it very, very clear to me. He said, Andy, you don't have to do any of that anymore. Don't fix, don't manage, just love. It sounds simple, right? It's so hard. Right? There are so many moments when I want to step in and control and manage things, right? Especially when things aren't going the way that I want them to. You know? Andy, just do something. 
Andy, just, do, just fix it. Andy, stop that. Make it happen. Andy, do something different. Andy, no, 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 this can't happen. Andy, you've got to do something. And Jesus is like, no, no, don't do anything. Don't fix it. Don't manage it. Andy, you just need to love. That's it. And then this week it hit me. The passage that Evan read about tenderness and mercy my marriage, Jesus coming as a baby, it all just landed on me like a ton of bricks. Jesus doesn't want, or Jesus doesn't control me. Next slide. Jesus doesn't control me, manage me, or batter me about in order to get me where he wants me to be or to prevent me from my own choices. Jesus just loves me right where I am, wherever I am, however I am. That's tenderness. That's mercy. Jesus forgives me over and over, sets me upright again and again so I can walk with him in peace. Dane Ortland writes this, our sinning goes, next slide, our sinning goes to the uttermost, but his saving goes to the uttermost. And his saving always outpaces and overwhelms our sinning because he always lives to intercede for us. Jesus is not tender and gentle towards you because you've done it right or believed it correctly enough times. Jesus is tender and merciful towards you because that is who he is. Amen? When I ask you to pray, when I ask you to spend time with him, I'm asking you to actually let him love you, which means being honest about what's in here. No longer performing or covering it up, but letting him in. And you think, how do I do that? Are you ready? It's really complicated. Okay, next slide. It goes like this. Jesus, thank you for loving me. And then you take a breath and you go like this. I receive your love. It's nuts how hard that is, right? Are you ready? You want to do it with me? Here it is. Jesus, thank you for loving me. I receive your love. Take a breath. And you might think, Andy, this, that, that didn't even do anything. I don't even know what you're talking about. I didn't feel a thing. I'm too broken. I, don't, I have too much doubt. I don't even know if I believe half this stuff. And you know what Jesus does with those who don't get it right or don't understand or don't believe quite yet? You know what Jesus does with those people who, who squander his mercy or, or forget about him for weeks and months on time and then realize, oh my gosh, I, gotta, I, I, I better do this God thing again. You know, what God, you know what Jesus does with us who do that? His mercy and his love never ends for you. He doesn't stop. He doesn't stop because he's never done with you. He's never tired with you. He's always for you. So we do this thing in our church called Change for a Dollar. Um, it's this idea that, that to get collectively together, we could open our eyes and see people that are around us that have a need and then love them. And then 
we, but we do it together. We combine our resources and we do it together, right? And for those who receive change for a dollar, it is an awkward feeling. Um, one of our friends, Janice, she took it uh, last two weeks ago. She gave the check of $1,000 to the lady. She get her, gave her a report. Um, the next day, the lady said, I, I can't take the check. I have it back. It was too much for her. She, she didn't want to receive the $1,000 because receiving love like that felt unsafe. See, part of what happens when you receive love is that you have to say, no, 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 I actually need it. I'm desperate for it, and I'm willing to be vulnerable about it. And then there's a group of people around you that will look at you and love you because that's what this family does. But we're not the first people to start change for a dollar. You know who the first people to start change for a dollar were? Ancient Christians. So there's this guy. It's 315 A.D. He uh, takes a ship, um, leaves the port city of Myra in Turkey, which is right below Ephesus. Uh, I don't have a map, but you, of course, know where that is. Uh, (laughs) Northeast Mediterranean Ocean, okay? Northeast Mediterranean Ocean. And so he leaves. um, There's a storm. Um, Now, 315 A.D., about half the Roman Empire is Christians. Half of them is not, but it's still kind of dangerous being a Christian because it wasn't, the official, it wasn't an official religion. It was still being persecuted. And the storm is raging, and there are Christians who are sailors, and they're like, is there anybody that can pray? Can someone pray for us? Can someone pray for us? And so this guy who was on the ship says, okay, I'll pray. And he gets up on the deck of the ship, and this is Mediterranean Ocean in the wintertime. This is crazy 40-foot swells, and he prays, and, this, and the sea is calm, and they land at port safely, and he gets off the ship, and all these people start telling stories about this crazy guy and how he can pray and storms are quiet. It's not Jesus. This is 315 AD, right? So then um, he gets to shore, and of course, his church had done a thing that he had left called Change for a Dollar, where they would gather their money together and they would help people in need. And so he was used to that kind of life, and when he showed up on the shore, uh, he went to the local church to worship with them, and there was all these sick people, but no one was praying for them. So he started praying for the sick people, and they started getting healed. And the people at the church were like, would you like to be our pastor? And he's like, okay. <laughs> so then he started having them do change for a dollar, and you know what they discovered? They discovered that all of these people in the village, they had daughters and back in the day, in order to marry off your daughter, you as a family had to pay to marry off your daughter. Now we just call that a $100,000 wedding, right? <laughs> um, but back in the day, back in the day, if you didn't have that amount of money, then your daughter would get sold into slavery. And so this church would gather up their money and then they would secretly give it to the people that didn't go to the church and they would put the money in the house um, to pay for their, these daughters' dowries and thereby saving their lives. And this went on for years and it changed the whole, this whole little town, this whole little village. And when the pastor finally died at a ripe old age, uh, the, the town was absolutely stunned and they kept on this tradition and they kept it on going, they kept it on going. And the pastor was a weird looking dude. 
He was kind of a, he was a poor guy. I mean, he's scraggly, bald, white beard. Weird, weird clothes. He bought clothes at a thrift store. The thrift store that would sell old Roman robes that were colored red. The man's pastor's name was Nicholas. And when they made him a saint, In Latin, that's Santa, Santa Nicholas. And this church continued to do what Nicholas did, which is that over the fireplaces at night, with their socks being dried over the fireplaces, the church continued to do change for a dollar, and they would reach in and put coins in stockings and save little girls' lives. This is what you've done in this church. You have changed my life by loving me. And the invitation for you is to say, here's my great need, God. And to each other, here's my great need. Here's where I am in my life. And as you are vulnerable And as you invite God in and other people into your life, you will be raised from death to life, from lost to found. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want to invite the worship team back up. Can we pray for our pastor real quick, guys? Yes, please. There's a on my heart, and I think that our pastor needs our prayers today. Can you reach out your hand to Andy? Hey. Pray with me after. Pray with me after, kid. Pray with me after, because right now we're going to do silent night. So here's this magic moment, okay? Here's this magic moment. Here, stay seated, stay seated. Here's what's really, really important. We're going to have Scott uh, lower the lights. Here's what's really, really important. I'm going to light this candle right here. If your candle is lit, Dana, I'm going to borrow your candle. If your candle is lit, you hold it upright, and then the person with the unlit candle touches the lit candle. Does that make sense? If you have a lighted candle and you pour it over like this, what happens to the wax? Yes. So if you have a lighted candle, please hold it upright, okay? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for my friends. Thank you, God, for the heart that they have. Thank you for Kit's heart of praying for me. God, thank you for the vulnerability in this church. Thank you for the way that you are moving in our midst. God, thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the light shining in our darkness. God, we love you. We adore you. Thank you for loving us and being so tender and so merciful and so kind. And all God's people said, Amen. Jesus, the light of the world is now in you. He loves you. And now you get to love others the same. And I see you do this. And I am so honored to call you friends and family. 
So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance, that's his delight in you, and give you the peace that passes all understanding. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, Merry Christmas, y'all. Merry Christmas. Pastor Andy Rock is the senior pastor of Coastal Community Church. It's located in Grover Beach, California, and serves communities across the Central Coast. Join us online each week on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for our weekly live stream. We also have two in-person services at 9 a.m. and 1040 a.m. in our sanctuary. Coastal Community Church is located at 1830 Farrell Road, Grover Beach, California. For more information, visit our website www.mycoastal.org. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you have a great week.